Welcome everyone, you are listening to Do We Like Murder, a segment of the Long Overdue Podcast, a production of the Decatur Public Library in Decatur, Texas. I'm Chris, and we have Dawn and Denise with us this afternoon to discuss what else? Murder. Murder. What did you expect? <laughs> if you expected anything else, you're the listening. The one time we had Pat here to not talk about murder, she was like, so there was murder. There was like, murder. <laughs> <laughs> well, too bad. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> this is going to be your first episode of the new year, right? Yes. Oh, 2019. yeah. 2019. It is. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, what... Horrible things did you both read about this time? Mine was really horrible. Yeah. It was, it's called Evidence of Love. And there was an axe murder in it. Oh my gosh. Yes. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm intrigued. We haven't had one of those yet, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we have. Interesting. Okay, so do you want me to keep going? Or you yeah, want to, you no. want to tell a You can't just bit. feel like there was axe murder in mine, but you know what? We'll just wait till later. <laughs> <laughs> but let's hear about yours. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this uh, murder happened in the Wiley area, Wiley, Texas area. Um, it's been a long time since I've been over in that area, but mm-hmm. it, I, I guess it's fairly close to, you know, Plano and Richardson mm-hmm. and, and all those areas. <clears throat> so um, it starts out with this lady um, at Bible school with the kids. And she has to leave. One of the kids wants to, st- a friend wants to stay over again. So she's got to go get the swimsuit. She's got a bunch of stuff to do, all this stuff. Well, um, so she leaves the Bible school and is hoping to get back early enough that she can watch her kids perform in the little play. And she, you know, she does her prayers, you mm-hmm. know, with the kids and all this stuff. And she takes off and goes to the um, to the house to get the um, the swimsuit. And that's when things just start to happen already and she comes i mean as the way the book is told she comes out of the house like just in shock and trying to keep her mind focused and that she's just got to do these things i've got to go get this done and that done and get back to the bible school so that you know for the kids and whatever and so then it goes on and it tells a little bit about her and her husband and how they met and then it goes on to tell about the woman who um we don't know it at this point but has died and her husband and it's going into all this background stuff and oh it was just very intriguing (laughs) it's like who did this you know you want to know what happened well let me tell you what happened this lady, um, the the lady whose house she went to, mm-hmm. was murdered with an axe in her own home, and it was mainly in her um, utility room. And that lady did it. That she went to her house. 
right? What? <laughs> I know, the whole book. I mean, that was very quick. Okay, so I'm like reading the whole book, and I'm thinking, no, she didn't really do it. I mean, she was there. She observed something. She and saw it. And it traumatized her so much yeah. that she was like, I'm just going to go keep doing what I'm doing. Yes. And that didn't happen. <laughs> no, that's not what happened. <laughs> I was hoping, you know, there's a little bit of me that was hoping that she didn't do it, but she really did. Um, and it was really sad. It just goes on and talks about their um, their church life and all this stuff. But then as you start to read, it, it um, she ended up, she was having an affair with this lady's husband, uh, right? And they would go to this shady motel. <laughs> well, I mean, I where else would you yeah I'm like it's wiley texas <laughs> no but they, went, they were in richardson these guys their husbands worked for like these telecommunications companies um and they were very smart guys and all this stuff but she's like no i've got the perfect life but i think i need something else and so i'm gonna go have an affair so and she was married too they everybody yeah, married. so everybody's married everybody goes okay. to church together okay. that always just yeah. breaks my heart you yeah. know really well and then i'm gonna go and kill somebody and then i'm gonna go back and teach this kid the kids about this yes oh my gosh oh my gosh so it was really there's just so much that i could say about this um so what happened is she they have this affair and he decides, I guess it's time to end it. I want to make things work with my wife. Mm-hmm. We've gone through this marriage thing. Yeah, not leaving the wife. Right. Not, not doing that. And she's pregnant. And wife is pregnant now. And so I'm going to try to make this whole thing work. Um, he does not tell his wife. <clears throat> Later, the lady's husband does find out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a secret in her family. Uh and then she, uh, the lady, has told, I guess she's got a name in here. What is her name? <laughs> um, she has told her friends. The murderer? The murderer has a name. The murderer has a name. The, um, not mistress. What do you call the guy in that situation? Um, expletive, expletive. I can't think of anything that would be nice to say. That's really on interesting. Radio. <laughs> okay, so his name is Alan. <laughs> Alan Gore Candy. That's what her name is, Candy. Candy. Yes. With a Y or with an I? With a Y. <laughs> okay. She does later change her name to back to Candace, or officially starts going by Candace. Mm. Um, so... She decides she wants to have this affair, and she's like, who am I going to have this affair with? Oh, okay, so she just... I see this guy at church every day. Yeah. He's good. We're in choir together, so yeah, well, <laughs> well let's let's do this. So they start hanging out at this... Um, well, she talks about this motel they went to, and then there's a shadier one. <laughs> yeah, across the street, across the highway. We're going to go there. That's the one. <laughs> So, but you can pay by the hour versus the other one where you have to pay by the night. Oh, that's well, that's I mean, that's <laughs> cost effective, right? It's cost effective. I mean, <laughs> there's that, <sighs> and also, if you're going to have an affair, you might as well have the most shady, cheap affair you can. <laughs> you might as well pay by the hour. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this ain't no grand love story. Uh, well, yeah, that's true. So, it doesn't end up that way. Oh my gosh. That's very true. I didn't know they had places like that. 
United States. Oh, it's what? over in Dallas. <laughs> it's over in Dallas. Not as far away as you think. But they're, are they always shady? They're probably always shady. When you pay by you the hour? Yeah. Well, I'm just, I only ask this because they have these and they have these in, in Japan, they, what they refer to as love hotels. But they're not shady because in Japan, mean. people usually live really close together, so it's not always convenient, you know, for mar- oh. married people to uh-huh. in their own, you know, have relations in their own home, so they can go and run a room at one of these love hotels and not bother oh. anybody, and it's comfortable. It's not shady. It's nice. It's supposed to be nice. It's a nice getaway in that but, situation. Yeah, I didn't know there were things like that in the United States, but they're probably they're probably it's not all like shady. That. It's not like that at all. It's okay, not like so, that. At all. so I am really glad to know that I am not the one who is naive in the situation with Chris. <laughs> <laughs> not that I've ever used one. Let's be clear. <laughs> not been there. Not going there. Okay, back to our murder. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> kind of got off track there. Okay, so they are having this affair in this shady hotel in Richardson, Texas, because it's close to his work. She packs a picnic, and they do this. I know, right? She packs a picnic <laughs> lunch and does all this nice, I mean, nice lunches, like lasagna kind of big stuff for lunch. And they go and do their thing, I guess. And um, lunch. And eat lunch, right? Because it's his lunch hour, right? You know, you got to make time for lunch. See, you only need to pay for an hour. Like, that's... Just a lunch. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a lunch hour. Let's do this. Oh, I think he he extended it to maybe two. Oh. So they have... to pay for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> then they talk about how much they charge per hour. Well, they did not. You so, know, this was in you the You can 80s. look that up later. I'm looking at it. Why are you wanting to know, Chris? <laughs> I'm just curious since you brought it up. I'm just like, I'm sorry, I couldn't get past the fact that it's a shady motel and that it's not going to be clean. Yeah. that's where I'm. Does, like, oh yeah, it does sound disgusting yeah. either yeah. way. Not going there. There's like no way that maids could get there like every hour on the hour. Oh no no. Oh wow. Mm-mm. Okay, so they get they actually go through this whole affair thing, and they don't get caught. I mean, mm-hmm. then they, she kind of goes through this little time where, oh, I don't know if I really want to continue it. And he's like, yeah, you want to. <laughs> and she's like, well. And she's like, okay, well, you've convinced me. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, I'll do it. So they keep going for a little while. And then he's like, yeah, I don't think I want to anymore. And she's like, what? <laughs> You convinced me, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden you're ready to get out, and it's all okay. Okay, so they had that little spat, and um, so they basically seemed to go uh, amicably. Amicably, amicably. Yeah, yeah, amicably. Yeah. There you go. They're separate <laughs> ways, still seeing each other. I mean, in family, friends, yeah. in church, in still church. part of the <laughs> same community, going to the same church. Yeah. They, they, there were issues with certain things, so they may have started going to a different church. Hmm. Um, I just have to say this. There was somebody in this book that is, she's not necessarily famous, but her name is. Her name was Betty Huffines. Hmm. Makes me want to sing that commercial. Yeah. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> but she went to this church. And so she was friends of both of these ladies. Oh. Yes. So I thought that was a very fascinating piece of information. Hmm. Um. So they start this affair like in December of 1979, and it goes 
for a few months or whatever and they split up i mean kind of go their separate ways well now she's got time on her hands so her and her friend decide oh let's go to this nightclub where you can kind of hook up with people it's a singles kind of thing oh and so they do and she does (laughs) she hooks up with somebody else well this guy is like very kind of possessive And they meet up, and I guess it's he's kind of uh, more controlling about the situation and wanting to meet more often. And uh, it's not quite as shady. They don't go to a shady motel. He actually takes her to a nice hotel. Yeah. Because he'll stay there the whole night, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he can. She can't. Right. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, But that only lasts about a month or so. And then she's like, no, I can't do this. Because he was like, I think he showed up at her house or something. Yeah, and she's like, oh, no, we can't do that. So um, June is when the Bible study starts to happen, uh, or the vacation Bible school for the kids. Mm -hmm. And so it was the Friday the 13th of 1980 that this happens. She goes over to get the swimsuit and, and, and murders this lady. And... It's like, what what happened? Mm-hmm. Your husband has already found out that you mm-hmm. had this affair. You're so, not having this affair anymore. It, yeah, it's not happening mm-hmm. anymore. And the other lady doesn't know. Mm-hmm. So why? I mean, what, what really happened? And that's really something that, even based on what they said here, I don't know if I really believe what happened. Because it's really her account of it. Mm-hmm. And... Um, she says that the um, the other lady, the wife, Mrs. Gore, um, confronted her about having an affair, even though he said that he never told her. Mm-hmm. She, he could have. He, you know, you yeah, just yeah. never know what happened. Um, and she was just kind of over the top. She was just um, kind of lost it, and so she pushed her uh, pushed Candy. And then they kind of got into the shoving match. And she had gone out into the garage and got an axe and brought it back in and uh, c- kind of confronted her. But I think basically knew she wasn't really going to do anything. She was probably trying to scare her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somehow things happened. Candy gets a hold of the axe and hack, hack, hack over 40 times. Oh, wow. wow. Right? They said it was very... Uh, very gruesome and the guys that found her were um i mean they just couldn't even hardly look in the mm-hmm. the utility room <clears throat> um, was she still pregnant she thought she was pregnant but she wasn't oh. they did um she had missed her cycle mm-hmm. and so she was on had been at the doctor and he'd given her medication to start because you know we thought maybe it was just stress or whatever and um it said that when they did the autopsy that she was about ready to start her cycle. So she was not pregnant. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, so that day that she was found, husband left town to uh, go to Minnesota for work. He was with people he worked with. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm, that was kind of convenient. And uh, mm. So he keeps trying to get a hold of her. She can't, you know, does obviously doesn't come to the phone. Mm-hmm. And um, he finally convinces neighbors middle of the night. You know, this happened in the morning before mm-hmm. 11 o'clock. And it's late at night. They finally go over and find her. 
at this point they do have one child who's staying over, but they also have an infant who has been crying all day, mm. who has been laying there not fed, who has not had its diaper changed. Wow. I Yeah, I mean, she left. In the very beginning, it talks about her hearing the baby crying, mm-hmm. and she leaves. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm just like, you know what? If it was like this crime of passion thing, you should still tell somebody. I don't know. I know you're scared. But, you know, if you didn't do it intentionally, and that's kind of what she goes on, that it was like she... Uh, that was just an axe there. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it was self-defense. Self-defense. Yeah. Is, the, is part of is it. Her, yeah. And the other part was almost like insanity. Because mm-hmm. she says that there was the sound that triggered her to take her back to when she was a child. Mm-hmm. And uh, it caused her to go into this state where she really didn't know what she was doing. She just lost it. Hmm. Um, and she was hypnotized. Uh, I love it. I know, I right? That we always end up with like someone being hypnotized. Or trying just, to be hypnotized. Or <laughs> I really want to be with somebody who was hypnotized. <laughs> I don't want to be hypnotized, but I, I don't know. I, don't I just to, I want to observe someone be hypnotized. I'm sorry. It's like the Ouija board. Yeah. Are they really moving it? They say they're not. <laughs> okay. So all this happens. They go to trial. Um, she's acquitted. Should they let her go? What? Yes. I can't like believe anybody buying it. Fully anybody. acquitted? <gasps> like, yeah, like yes. acquitted, acquitted. <laughs> she was, yeah, they let her go. Did, they, so, she was found innocent. So what was it like? Did, because she pled insanity and self-defense? or? Well, when they started the trial, the defense said she did it. She admitted she did it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it wasn't a matter of whether, whether she did it or not. Right. Uh it was whether or not she was, I guess, in her right mind when she did it. So they found her not guilty by reason of insanity, mental defect? I don't think there was any of that in there. No, just not guilty. Wow. It's like, it's okay. The 80s, man. Yeah, I know. Okay, so it's been, I just want to, I just want to tell you, it's been over a week since I've read this, so I could be wrong with that. Um. So don't hold me to it. Well, still. <laughs> still not guilty. <laughs> Dang. Right. So she's not guilty. She goes home. <clears throat> Her lawyer was somebody that she worked with or went to church with. He was the lawyer for the church. And, <laughs> and it was very sad because she, she gets off and he's friends with all of the people at church. And they ostracize him basically oh. they won't talk to him they're just very he was upset. just doing his job because he represented right? her yeah and he wasn't even a criminal lawyer he was um what did he do like i want to say something about uh, you know traffic stuff or whatever but he was good at what he did and he like, got people off like the people like the lawyers you see on tv like you have an yes. accident call me <laughs> yes brian longcar was it brian longcar <laughs> was not <laughs> and i wasn't around in the 80s so i don't you know if i was i'd probably recognize this name but <laughs> his name was don crowder 
Mm. And it, so it doesn't, you know, ring a bell to me. But um, he ended up killing himself. <gasps> oh. What? He did. I know. I was so sad because he did a really good job. And I mean, really yeah. for a defense person who'd never done that before. Yeah, who's not even a, a, like a trial attorney, like a murder yes. trial attorney. He's just... Exactly. They're trying to get you your best insurance settlement possible. Right. <laughs> and and he did his client well, but um it was not a, a good outcome for him and, and the community. And um yeah, so it was several years later that he I guess just couldn't couldn't live with himself because of mm-hmm. it. Um so that was really sad. So there was not m- just one death, mm-hmm. not one person hacked to death. <sighs> Which, by the way, they said that she had lived through most of those. She was alive through most mm. of those. <sighs> she is, I had a hard time finding information about her to begin with, mm-hmm. uh, really from legitimate like sources right. and, and that kind of stuff. Um, she's kind of, I think, tried to hit her, hid She's tried to hide herself, Um, but she was living near her daughter, I believe, (coughs) in Georgia, Um, and she was helping people, I don't know, it was something like if like cancer or you know mm-hmm. s- something like that there's some kind of group that she was um helping people that needed assistance for different things uh she changed her name uh from candy montgomery her and her husband did finally get divorced after they had to move they couldn't stay in this mm-hmm. area um and it was Montgomery, and then she changed her name back to Wallace, I believe. Uh, so she's still in Georgia. And that was the information I read on the internet mm-hmm. was uh, from 2017, I think. So fairly recently, that's where she she is. Uh, her husband, who stood by her through this whole thing, mm-hmm. which was so utterly amazing to me, Um they finally got divorced, and he moved to, I think he's in Maine area. He's Northeast area, uh, remarried. And the um, the husband of the deceased uh, lady, Alan, he, has, he remarried. The way they talk about it, it almost makes it sound like before the trial was over but i think it was like within a couple months after the trial was over and he married somebody else from church hmm. interesting mm, mm-hmm. but that didn't last too long they were um the the kids the two kids that they had were did not like this lady and were not treated well, it sounds like. Mm. Uh, and so they moved to Kansas where the mom's parents lived. So they they lived with their grandparents. And I think they were legally adopted through them. And they wow. thrived up there. They did it, you know, they really did well up there. Um, one of the interesting things is the dad had come down to the trial. And he was sitting through everything. And, mm-hmm. and after the judgment came through... Um, he just kind of sat there for a second and, and realized that everything that the husband, Alan, had said helped the defense. Mm. Oh. So I think he was in on it from uh-huh. the beginning somehow. Hmm. She never said anything 
to that effect, but I think that he he had to have been in it. But why? I still he wanted out of it, and she was willing, I guess. But what was in it for her? I don't, maybe he was like, you know what? The only reason that we're ending this is because of her. And if we get divorced, I'm gonna have to pay child support, and I'm gonna have to you know do all this and all that. And she's gonna get half of everything I own. Yeah, and then that's true. if you get divorced, and you know, so maybe the easiest <gasps> way is if she's not there, and then you and I can just get married. What would have happened if they to have had done that and not found out that she was the one who did it, and then they had the plot to kill her husband too? <laughs> you just don't know how deep this went. Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so well, she doesn't come off as bad. In a divorce, because she's going to have the kids. She's going to get the child support. So, so yeah, maybe they didn't. Maybe it would have just been easier for her to divorce the husband. But, but he was still going to have all these responsibilities. But life insurance, I'm pretty sure, would have been pretty significant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because he was a pretty important dude where he worked. He was very Yeah, because it doesn't seem smart. like there was any reason. No. Like, None at all. Like, what was your motive? Exactly. Other than unless you wanted affair, something. Unless the affair was still going on. Right. And they said that it wasn't. Well. And, and that it hadn't been. <laughs> I know. I was like, I'm going to believe a murderer and the murderer's boyfriend. Right. <laughs> right. Hmm. So, Alan, you know, got remarried. But the kids were moved up to Kansas yeah. and, and adopted. So, um they were estranged for a really long time, mm-hmm. and I think that they, the comment that w- I read online said that they are now friends on Facebook. <laughs> Somehow they could, you know, so yeah. at least they're starting to develop that kind of a Something. connection. Yeah. Um, yeah. So take all that for what it's worth because yeah. it was some lady's blog that I was reading <laughs> because mm-hmm. I couldn't get any other information. Mm-hmm. I know this librarian tried. So, <laughs> so you s- it sounds like you doubted a lot of what's presented in the book as as being Fact. 100% factual and just being someone else's perspective. Well, and it sounded like it was very self-serving. She's yeah. the only one alive that can say whatever, and so she mm-hmm. can say whatever. Right. <laughs> right. right. She can just, whatever is going to make her look the best. So the book obviously was not written by her. Um, I, I think they were just reporters at the time. Mm-hmm. And so they were taking accounts that they were hearing. And then they did a lot of interviews afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, like you said, you don't, we don't know exactly what happened mm-hmm. there. We know what the evidence tells us, but for her to have gotten off with nothing mm-hmm. seems wrong wrong and incredible i mean i just mm-hmm. it's just really amazing that and there was Texas. nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah like, man well Collin county got a bad rap for this i'm mm. sure yeah <laughs> they're sure. like if you want off go to Collin county yeah you want to kill someone <sighs> go yeah. stay a weekend in wiley yeah um it was very well written it was very engaging, mm-hmm. and it even, because I didn't know anything about this, um, 
events. Mm-hmm. And so to read it, I'm like, oh, they're setting it up like she, it looks like she did it, but she really didn't do it. And somebody else <laughs> is going to have done it. I'm like, really? Is that what they're doing? No, that's not what they did. <clears throat> she really did do it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was really good. And to to hear all the stuff that they did and they got away with Mm -hmm. and then to hear about the police and the fighting that went on oh my gosh (laughs) right it's like why are you guys so at odds and and you're doing things just to make him mad it has nothing to do with the case to it to make the person you know, have a better, I don't even want to say a better time. That's not really the thing, but it's, he's given the defense lawyer, the, the judges a hard time just because they don't like each other. And that's not right. You know, (laughs) do it the way it's supposed to be done Mm -hmm. instead of trying to pull things behind people's back. And, um, they were trying to get her out on bail. And, uh, one of the guys said, okay, we're getting all the paperwork done. Well, they said, we can't wait anymore. So they went and arrested her. They were trying to avoid the whole arrest thing and and being in the papers. And um, I don't know. The other thing that they did is they told the press everything. Wow. Yes. Everything. It's like, well, what kind of a defense did you have that anything that's surprising in the actual trial? Yeah. I've already told everybody everything. So... The surprise that defense told the press, <clears throat> no, the prosecutors, the prosecutors. Wow. And the one thing that was surprising at the trial was that she had admitted to it, and they didn't know that. So, hmm. and so, you know, they took it from a different angle as far mm-hmm. as that goes. But, oh, yeah. And I felt really, really bad for her family. The, the, um, Deceased ladies. Oh, yeah. Uh, Her children and parents? Well, her children and her parents and brothers and and all that. um, You know, they took it hard, too. Mm -hmm. So, and let me just say, so this happened. I just, I finished this book and I'm like, oh, my word. I can't believe all this stuff that happened. She got away with it, you know, all this (laughs) stuff. And then I hear about another murder in Colorado where the guy has murdered his fiance or is arrested for murdering his fiance. It's not the same one where the guy murdered, wasn't it his wife that mm-hmm. she was pregnant? Mm-hmm. This is another instance. And I'm like, why do people think that that's the solution? Yeah, this is it. This is how I'm going <laughs> to get out of here. I mean, <laughs> like, why is that better than walking away and dealing with whatever ha- happens? Yeah. How, is, how is murder better than a divorce? Yeah. <laughs> Even or, if somebody doesn't like you yeah. and you're stepping away from it to kill them, I mean, I just, I can't even mm-hmm. think. And, and, and this like, was his fiance. Yes. So it was like, you don't have to marry this person. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you can just walk away right now. Right. <laughs> and just be like, well, and it's not like she doesn't love you. She's agreed to marry you at this point. She ha- And maybe that's the thing. Maybe she was stepping away. And he's like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. It's a control thing. I don't know. But it's yeah. just very disturbing to me that it seems like that's where we're going with everything. Just let me just do this versus mm-hmm. standing up and doing what's right. Yeah. 
So the title of your book was? Evidence of Love. And it was written by John Bloom and Jim Atkinson. Yes. And we have it on Libby. Libby app. Now, I did read that they had turned this into a movie. I think it was called A Killing in a Small Town or something like that. Okay. So we'll have to watch that. We do mm-hmm. need to watch that. Yeah, because I left a lot of details out. Um, And if this was in the 80s, that movie must be mid 80s, early 90s. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Awesome. (laughs) Yes, it's going to be great. (laughs) Uh, So, I also read a book that was started out in the 80s. mm -hmm. It's called Above Suspicion by Joe Sharkey. So, it sounds like he got away with something if he's above suspicion. (laughs) Yeah. He kind of did. Really? <laughs> Great. So I have, my book is about Mark Putnam, who was the first FBI agent to be convicted of murder. Wow. The very first, huh? The very first. Um, I'm going to say that Joe Sharkey, I read this book and was angry the entire time I read it. <laughs> like... <laughs> I hate read this book. I was just like, oh, I'm not stopping now, Joe. <laughs> Gonna find out all about you. I was, and also, I was like, were you his defense lawyer? Are you in love with Mark? Like, what's the what's the deal here, dude? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because the entire this entire thing was about how Mark had become an FBI agent, and was sent to somewhere Kentucky. Freeburn. Freeburn, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And it was a small little town. There was absolutely no supervision in that FBI office. It was just basically two guys. Okay. And he was going in while someone else was leaving. And then he ended up with a different partner later on. Okay. So both those two guys were leaving Freeburn. And there was two other agents coming in. So it was him and one other guy. Okay. The entire time. They did not work well together. So it was basically like they were just going solo. Okay. Um, The first thing Mark does when he gets there is he starts getting informants. The FBI pays quite a bit of money for informants. Really? Yeah. Huh. They have quite a bit of money to... Give people that are willing to snitch on other people. Hmm. Man, I need to start going yeah, and finding out some information <laughs> so I can. I'm going to say there's a reason that the phrase snitches get stitches exists. <laughs> okay. So there's that. There's that. <laughs> so he, one of the local officers who's also a car salesman, sets. <laughs> Yeah. Police officers. Yeah. Okay. So he sets up a meeting with a woman named Susan Smith that he thinks, you know, Mark could turn into um, an informant. Mm-hmm. Originally, he had tried to talk with Kenneth Smith, which was Susan's ex-husband. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenneth was on parole for some drug dealing thing. Mm-hmm. And his demands to be an informant were ridiculous. Like, he was like, I don't want to be on parole anymore. I'd like to sell my drugs. You know? <laughs> and they're like, do whatever I want to Yeah, can I do that? It. And they're like, no. No. <laughs> they did have some rules then. Yes. <laughs> and so, um, 
the guy, the police officer, then talks to Susan's brother. He's got the best name. His name is Tennis. Tennis. Uh huh. Tennis? Like the sport. Like the sport. Really? Yeah, spelled exactly <laughs> like the sport. His name is Tennis. Oh, his parents were so inventive. Yes. Susan and Tennis. Mm. So, Mark is supposed to meet with Tennis. And at the last minute, Tennis can't make it. He stabs somebody. <laughs> and so, he can't, he can't make up. it now. <laughs> Joe didn't say who uh-huh. he stabbed. Just that it was a family matter. Oh, great. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> way to report there, Joe. Right. <laughs> so. Just keep it in the family. That's okay. Yeah. And so then they move on down to Susan. Mm-hmm. So Mark's talking to Susan. Both the ex-husband and her brother know they go with her to meet Mark on the first meeting. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't this huge secret. That she was going to become an informant. They they wanted the money. Mm-hmm. And so she'd been divorced from Kenneth for five years, but she still lived with him. Okay. She'd go back and forth, but she would go live with him. And they had two kids together. Okay. She would always say that it was because of the kids, but it really was because of the drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe wrote really poorly about Susan, made her sound awful. Really? Just awful, awful. Mm-hmm. And Mark was the greatest guy ever to walk the planet Earth. <laughs> he was so nice and he was so smart. And, you know, he had this great family and this great life. And I'm just like, okay. All righty there, Joe. Um, maybe you should simmer down a little. <laughs> <laughs> so he does have family and he's got a daughter. With his wife, Kathy. Kathy was very supportive of Mark's career Mm -hmm. when they met. Kathy had a really crazy life before she met Mark. Mm -hmm. Um, Ran off with some boy when she was 17, didn't finish high school. He was abusive. She left, came back home, got her GED, met an older trucker, married him. Moved away. He was abusive. Wow. So she left, got, went to community college, um, and then she met Mark. And at that point, like, Kathy was trying to, like, just really get her life together. And she was doing it. Like, she was getting her life together. Uh-huh. And she met Mark. And then so it was just, like, perfect. They both met, fell in love, and... So let me just say, abusive relationship another abusive relationship how do you get into that cycle and then i don't know at this point if he was ever abusive to her but he was obviously abusive to somebody it's like the the uh stereotype i mean it's like how do you get in that pattern and and get break it Mm -hmm. i guess Mm -hmm. you feel like you're making a good decision but then you don't yeah well mark from all accounts and even other things that i i read that was not that were not written by Joe Sharkey. Um, <laughs> seemed like he was a pretty good, okay. pretty good guy and a pretty good dad. Okay, so and maybe never, she did. Like that he, um, but she had turned her whole life around and then married Mark, and they ended up in this small little town. She hated it, mm-hmm. but they pretty much told her, you know, this is where he's going to start out. After a couple of years, he can be transferred somewhere else. Okay, you know, mm-hmm. you just have to bear bear with it. 
And so Susan becomes his informant, and he's paying her quite a bit of money. I think the first time she gave him some information, he gave her $500 hmm. um, in 1987, I want to say, was when she started being his informant. That was a pretty good chunk of change, and especially mm-hmm. in this small little poor town. And Yeah. Um, but Susan, when she decided to become an informant, she really couldn't go back to her old life after that. Mm-hmm. Once you start informing on the people around you, you kind of have to give up on those people. Yeah. Because, and so she attaches herself to Mark, falls madly in love with Mark. Oh, okay. And um, calls his house all the time as an informant that wasn't, really all that surprising like you gotta basically make them feel better because they're doing something that could potentially cost them their lives Mm -hmm. and so you know he's just like it's all right well kathy ends up talking to susan most of the time when she calls they became friends on the phone and talking to each other all the time because kathy was like i've been there Mm -hmm. like i've been with an abusive man like i've never done drugs but you know, I've definitely known people that have, and mm-hmm. you can turn your life around, like, just trying to be there for her and trying to be a friend and trying to get her to, like, you know, make a better life for herself. Yeah. And so, they become they become friends. Um, according to Kathy, who told a, a lot of this stuff to Joe, um, Susan openly admitted that she was in love with Mark. And Kathy was just like, she was not concerned. She Uh didn't think that Mark was ever going to cheat on her and comfortable in her relationship with Mm -hmm. him. So, okay. Yep. And this crazy woman, I mean, she's calling me crying in the middle of the night because her ex husband, who she still lives with. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so she's just like, you know, Mark is the first man that she's ever met in her life that has a job, like an actual job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's nice to her. Yes. So she's just like, meh, you know, I get it. <laughs> right. But still, I'm just like, that's a big deal to admit that to yeah. the person's wife. Yeah. Yeah. And just, they would talk all the time. And I'm just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Weird. Like, all, yeah, it's like all of this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> but alrighty. So. Susan is telling Mark about these uh, a friend of Kenneth's and hers that is staying with him, name Carl Edward Lockhart. They call him Cat Eyes because he's got these beautiful green eyes. Interesting. <laughs> and Kenneth invited Cat Eyes and his girlfriend to come live with them so he could move out of the tent that they were living in Behind Cat's mother's backyard. <laughs> okay. So, and this is where in K- Kentucky? Kentucky? Okay. And so they go and they live there. And that first season's fine with this, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, Cat Eyes robs banks. That's what he does for a living. <laughs> and he's living with the FBI agent. Informant. Oh, so this is uh, Susan. Susan. Yeah. Okay, not the other. Okay. No. Gotcha. And so he robs banks for a living. Mm-hmm. The 
police officer slash car salesman mm-hmm. knew that he was back in town. Okay. Because Cat Eyes was not one to Tie. lay low. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Everybody in town knew him. <laughs> so he's like, you know, that's why he tried to get Kenneth to be an informant and then tennis and then Susan because he was living there. Mm-hmm. And so Susan finally agrees because she's just like, there were five people living in the house because it was Susan, Kenneth, Cat Eyes, his girlfriend, and their two kids. So six. Okay. And then occasionally tennis would stay. So six to seven people. And so... At some point, Cat Eyes would run out of money. He needed a place to crash. He needed a place to crash. And also, when he had money, he liked, he liked to help his buddies out. Uh-huh. You know, he just give people money. Well, it wasn't his to begin with. Well, so right, yeah. Well. It's not a, not a big deal to him. <laughs> He'll just go rob another bank. <laughs> right. Oh, the life. My goodness. Yeah. And everybody was like, this is fine. This was in the 80s? <laughs> yeah. The late 80s, yeah. I thought that. By that time, it wasn't really lucrative to rob banks anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Did he do it in the traditional method? Oh, yeah, yeah. They actually, so the last bank that he robbed, he got a a ski mask. He had to cut the holes in it himself. (laughs) (laughs) And um, he couldn't really quite see Mm because of the way he cut the holes. (laughs) And the way his face shifted. So, yeah. <laughs> he was very old school about this. Yeah. Wow. So she decided to inform Mark about cat eyes. Because mainly she was just kind of tired of having them around. And if she could make a little extra cash and get them out of her house, well, hey. Why <laughs> so not? So much the better. So she, she does that. She informs on him. Cat eyes refuses to believe that Susan did this on her own, even after she testified against him, mm-hmm. he was pretty sure that it was Kenneth. Kenneth put her up to it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, kind of. <laughs> this poor woman. Because mm-hmm. she has no ability to make a decision on her own, I guess. Okay. Yeah, it was just, yeah. Interesting. Hmm. And so she did that. She provided some a little more information along the way mm-hmm. on different things, on different matters. Um, and so she got quite a bit of money from the FBI mm-hmm. for informing. And she put Mark on the map. This was a big case. Okay. He'd been going around Kentucky robbing banks, and he convicted him. So Susan, like, and he was just fresh out of the academy. Like, okay. fresh out of Quantico, mm-hmm. and here's your first assignment. Wow. And so she helped him a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, he's been there for about two years. His new partner is not great. Mm-hmm. He's got his eyes on Susan, the partner. He would, he would like to hook up with Susan. <sighs> Susan is very much in love with Mark. Which I'm just like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is wrong with y'all? But apparently this FBI uh, office was just kind of like that. Like, you know, whatever. The thing about Joe is that he pretty much keeps talking about how, you know, Mark didn't really find Susan all that attractive, except that he was staring at her thighs a lot. Okay. Yeah. Not pretty. (laughs) Um, Mark 
treated Susan, you know, well as his informant, did not have an affair with her until she basically just kept throwing herself at him until she wore him down. Oh my gosh. Mm. Yeah. Throughout this entire book, I'm like, he really wants to call her a very specific word. Mm-hmm. And he finally does towards the end under mm. Kathy's voice. And I'm like, there it is. Interesting. <laughs> but it was just always a constant, like, she was throwing herself at him. She was throwing herself at him. She was throwing herself at him. And Mark, oh, good, good Mark would always say, no, I can't, Susan. And I'm just like, uh-huh, sure. Yeah. Because Mark's account is that they had a very brief affair uh-huh. towards the end there before he left. And was moved to Miami. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of highly doubt that. Right. He felt, Mark felt so bad and so guilty about sleeping with Susan that he slept with her again. (laughs) (laughs) Just. Yes. Yeah. Such a great guy. Yeah. He he just felt so bad about it that he just kept doing it. Mm Mm-hmm. Until he left town. So several months pass after he's been relocated, moved mm-hmm. on to Miami, Florida with his family. At this point, they have two children now. Kathy's ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Gotten out of there, you know, except that Susan keeps calling. <sighs> okay. And Mark is like, well, like, I still have an open case there in Kentucky once I get all that taken care of. Because he did. He had to go back mm-hmm. and forth and so on. Um, but he's like, once that case is over and the trial's done, then, you know, everybody in Kentucky can just go away. Like, we just won't answer the phone anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's fine. Uh-huh. Um, Kathy thought that Mark was acting a little weird. But she just thought that he was readjusting. Because now he was in, in an actual FBI Okay. Office with other agents that, you know, he had to actually interact with and mm-hmm. things were different yeah. in this office than they were in Kentucky. So she was like, well, you know, maybe he's just a little worried about, you know, fitting in and trying to make something of himself here in this place. Uh-huh. So she's not really thinking too much of it. According to Mark, he was just so guilt ridden. He couldn't sleep. He had diarrhea. He was scratching himself absentmindedly. And all he could think about was poor Susan dead in a ditch. And it's just like, uh huh. Hmm. Why would she be dead in a ditch? Mark. (laughs) So the last time (laughs) that he had to go to Kentucky to basically finish out that last trial that he was working on, which was a pretty big pretty big case there um susan shows up at his motel room apparently his ex-partner got her a room at the same motel that mark is staying at hmm. yeah convenient mm-hmm. <laughs> so susan could confront mark because according to susan she was pregnant okay and it was mark's baby Hmm. And so she wanted to confront Mark about it mm-hmm. because I guess she wanted something, wanted him to leave the wife or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about Susan and by several accounts, that woman could never shut up about anything. <sighs> she okay. told everybody in town she was an FBI informant. Everybody. 
Oh, that was inspiring. She took the title informant a little too far. Yeah, she told far. everybody. <laughs> just informing and everybody. And that she was, you know, under FBI protection because she was providing information on this big drug case. And it's just like, girl. Right. <laughs> mm. It's like, you're trying to get killed. Exactly. And um, from very early on, since she became Mark's informant, she told everybody in town that they were having an affair. Oh, man. Everybody. Um, According to Mark, he was just like, "Eh, you know, whatever, that's just Susan. And Kathy was also like, yeah, whatever, that's just Susan. Like, Uh they didn't, Kathy didn't take it seriously. Uh And again, according to Mark, it was just a very brief affair towards the end. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. So, she went to confront him. He didn't really want to deal with any of that. He looked at her and he was just like, you're five months pregnant and yet you're here totally high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, super skinny. And so he's just like, All right, like yeah. he was just like, is she really pregnant? Mm-hmm. So at some point she starts like screaming and so on because Mark, oh, good boy, Mark, said to her that if she was pregnant, Mm-hmm. Then Kathy and him would raise the baby. Oh. <laughs> and she flipped out. Rightly so. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So then he's all like, oh, you know what? Let's just get in the car. Let's just go drive somewhere. Because he's all like, someone's going to hear you. And I, I don't want any of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and she took it like, we're going on a date. Oh, my gosh. So they, she got into the car with him. He drove out to the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, a place that they had gone to before, um, the, you know, during their informant meetings. Mm-hmm. And so no one's out there. They start fighting. And the way Joe makes it sound mm-hmm. is that Susan just wouldn't let up and basically caused her own death. <laughs> <laughs> It was all Susan's fault that Mark strangled her to death. He just had to. He just had to. She wouldn't shut up. I was going to say, she wouldn't <laughs> shut up. And I'm like, really, Joe? Really? Uh-huh. Mark didn't know what he was doing. Like, he just. It was self defense. It. <laughs> it was self defense. <laughs> right? And I was just like, wow. Wow. Self-defense <laughs> that he grabbed her by the hair, smashed her face into the dashboard, and then strangled her to death. Yeah. Goodness. It was all her fault. And then he realized that she was dead. And he was like, oh, no. He felt so bad about it that he went and put her somewhere where he thought someone would find her. So they could catch him instead of, I don't know, calling someone or mm-hmm. turning himself in mm-hmm. or... <laughs> You know, uh-huh. other very reasonable things. Right. So he dumped her body in a ditch fairly close to a very well-trafficked road. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's like, not a whole lot of people drive down this road, but, you know, plenty. And a lot of people ride their horses through here. Oh. It's like, so someone will find her. Uh-huh. A whole year passes by. Wow. Oh. And Mark is just feeling, oh, so guilty. But he doesn't tell anybody or do anything about it or anything. He's just so guilty. He just feels really bad. Just feels so bad. Such a good guy. Such a good guy. 
<laughs> the police aren't even sure if she's like dead. Uh-huh. Susan sometimes takes off. Like everybody, everybody knew that. Sometimes Susan just leaves and comes back. Sometimes, you know, that's just. And also, she was an FBI informant. There's a whole lot of people that would like to kill Susan. Right. Because she didn't keep it a secret. She did not keep it a secret. Yeah. And then you got Cat Eyes' girlfriend who's who beat her up recently because oh. her testimony sent her man off to prison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's just like, is she dead? I don't know. Is she just out there, you know, hiding? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Like, who knows? Yeah. It's like, there's just no no evidence that anything happened. And so, a year passes by. At some point, the detective that's working on the case is pretty sure that Susan's dead. Mm-hmm. But, again, he has no body, nothing to go on, or anything like that. The FBI is unconcerned. You know, and they're, like, the last person. Like, we know that, you know, Mark talked with her. Mm-hmm. Like, can we talk to Mark? And they're like, no, not really. Like... We don't see why this is our concern. And I was like, she was your informant. Mm-hmm. And they're like, meh, whatever. Like, I don't see why we need to be bothering any any agents about this. Yeah. Um, which was really, like, just pissing that detective off. Because he just didn't like the fact that the FBI relied so heavily on informants, that they paid informants as well as they did for, you know this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff so he was just like and then for them not to even care yeah that one of them just disappeared and so he starts really pushing to get the fbi to get mark to come in and and talk to them and interview Mm -hmm. they finally he finally gets uh, two other fbi agents from somewhere else Mm -hmm. that are not from kentucky to go with him to florida to talk to mark Mm-hmm. well mark thinks that this is it like they found her body and that's it and they know and they're coming uh-huh. to talk to him these guys know nothing about nothing <laughs> <laughs> so when they're interviewing him he's like you know trying to trying to figure out like do they know do they not know mm-hmm. and um he's being very cooperative which the detective thought that was odd and i'm like what is it dude you're not cooperative and therefore you're suspicious you are cooperating and you're suspicious yeah it's like whatever (laughs) it doesn't matter what you do this sounds like hindsight to me (laughs) but all right and so mark starts just like he's he's like if these cops are worth their salt they know about the car that i rented Mm-hmm. So he's all like talking about how he traded in the car that he rented because while he was driving, he was behind a truck and a coal rock fell out of that truck and smashed, like made, caused his uh, windshield to shatter mm-hmm. or splinter. So then he went to trade it so they could fix that. And he was just renting a car while he was there. Mm-hmm. And they were like, wait, what rental car? And he's like, what <laughs> and i'm like way to go mark <laughs> right <laughs> way to volunteer information that they didn't have uh-huh and so but yeah he keeps talking about how guilty he felt and 
he was basically just wanted wanted to go talk to Kathy so he could tell her and so they could figure out what they were going to do, how they were going to tell the children because his time was running out. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you feel so bad that you're still not telling anybody. Yeah. She's still out there naked, dead in a ditch. Like, how badly do you feel here, Mark? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was just a constant. He just feels so bad. And I'm like, uh-huh. And so, so go ahead. Basically, um, Kathy's the one that's like, shut up. Stop talking. What are you doing? <laughs> like, they don't know anything. Uh-huh. And here you are, like, giving them information. It's like, they stop talking. Wow. <laughs> it's like, let's get a lawyer. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they get a lawyer who was um, an ex-attorney general. Mm-hmm. So basically a cop lawyer. And he's just like, please stop talking. (laughs) 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 They've got nothing. So they've got nothing. But Mark is pretty adamant about wanting to go ahead and confess. And so he can tell them where the body is and all that. Um, I honestly think that at this point, with some of the information that he gave them, Mm -hmm. they were going to figure it out. Okay. Like one of the detectives already was like i'm sure this is my killer like i'm sure if she's dead he killed her uh-huh um but again no infer- no evidence at all yeah and so the his lawyer basically calls the district attorney and they just work out a deal they work out a deal mm-hmm. they get him he pleads guilty to murder and he gets 18 years um which, of course, was not to be served fully. Mm-hmm. And the, his lawyer basically told him, was like, you'll be sentenced to 18 years, probably do 10. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, all right, I'll take that deal. Mm-hmm. So they tell, he tells them where the body is. The body was just hours away of being, like, paved over. Like, that area was, like, being worked on. Uh-huh. Hours away of them never finding that body. Hmm. And when Mark told him where it was, the detective was like, oh, he's lying. <laughs> we would have found it by now if it was there. Well, there, it's right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and this is like he was really close to getting away with it, except that he was his own worst enemy. Yeah. Wow. But I don't believe that I felt so guilty about it mm-hmm. that I just told him stuff. It was like, you, you could have done that from the get-go. You know, right. from the very beginning. Yeah. Oh, no, I just killed Susan. Time to go turn myself in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead, you wait for a year and until someone comes and talks to you. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah, you felt so bad. So yeah. bad. He does only serve 10 years. Okay. So, it was 1989 when he killed her. Uh-huh. It was 1990 when he went to prison. He got out in 2000. Okay. He's four, he was 41. When he got out of prison. And Kathy stood by him the entire time. Basically, where whatever prison he was at, she would move the family to either that town or a neighboring town so they could visit him. Wow. Um, Kathy died two years before he was released. Mm. Oh. Kathy was a heavy drinker mm. and died at 38. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. 
How old were the kids? Um, when Mark went to prison, I think his daughter was four or five, and his son was one or two years old. So what did they do while before he got out of prison? Because they were still underage. Mm-hmm. They were still they were with Kathy. They were with their their mother. But she died. I'm assuming that they stayed with the grandparents. Okay. Because Kathy's parents, Raymond and Carol, mm-hmm. um, love Mark. He's <laughs> the greatest. <laughs> He's a wonderful man, said Carol. Wonderful man. Putnam told police he accidentally choked Susan. It was an accident. Accidentally. I accidentally choked her. Wow. strangled her to death to death she yeah. wouldn't shut up mm-hmm. so i accidentally put my arms my hands around her neck and squeezed really until hard. she stopped <laughs> oh, mm. so oh i'm sorry he pled guilty to first degree manslaughter and was sentenced to 16 years and only served 10 see and that's what i was thinking in mind that she would at least get manslaughter but no. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what he's up to um, now because this this article was written in 2000 when he got out. And when he got out, he was considered a model inmate and he was learning how to repair heating and cooling systems. So, <laughs> he went from being a rising star in the FBI to heating and cooling systems. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Joe talked a little bit about Susan's sister, Shelby, mm-hmm. who was pretty much the driving force behind the police doing anything about oh. Susan's death. Mm-hmm. Um he does not speak very favorably about Shelby either. Who is this guy? This guy, Joe Sharkey, he was the editor for the Wall Street Journal. Uh-huh. I'm guessing back in the 90s. Okay. Or late 80s. Yeah. But, yeah, Shelby um, was pretty much the driving force behind the whole thing, trying to get them to do something about Susan because she was sure that Susan was dead. Mm-hmm. Um, even if, like, Susan had taken off before. That wasn't, like, she wasn't like, oh, no, you know, Susan would never do that. Well, Susan's done that before. Yeah. Susan always calls, always checks on her kids. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, she might really like the drugs, but she does love her kids. Yeah. And so she would always call to check on her kids and just make sure everything was all right and, so on, and she hadn't heard from her at all. So if she hadn't have done it, nobody would have. Right. And if- As far as the police were concerned, as far as the FBI were concerned, there's nobody. Mm-hmm. And Susan has a history of running off. Yeah. So, unless you can find me a body. They can't do anything. We're just going to assume that she's out there doing whatever. And they didn't care. Yeah. And so. Very interesting. Okay, let me look at the book. You had pictures in the middle of it. I oh, didn't yeah. have pictures. And I, I had that. a hard I know, I do too. And I had a hard time finding pictures. I found pictures of Candy, uh-huh. but I didn't find pictures of the lady um, who had been murdered. Yeah. Uh, I finally found one, but 
yeah, it's like they are just gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Throughout this entire thing, I'm like, wow. Wow. Right. Okay. So it was all Susan's fault. Uh-huh. That Mark accidentally <laughs> strangled her. <laughs> yeah. Right. It was a very frustrating book. Because I was just like, sure. Frank is such a nice guy. Everybody loves Mark. And Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> You have a theme there, Denise. <laughs> Everybody loves their the murderers. murderers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was just like, wow. 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 Well, very interesting. I love the books in the 80s. But it <laughs> makes me think, what kind of age was I growing up in? Maybe uh, <laughs> <No>? was one. <laughs> yeah. Because, my gosh. But yeah, I was just like, this is all crazy that's so crazy i hope i don't know i was yeah i was just like joe what what are you this defense attorney yeah like what's going on here hmm. it's everybody else's fault but mark's because mark was such a nice guy so it was done after he got out was he mark the main person who did the interviewing um the book was written three years after he was sentenced. So it was written in 1993. Oh, okay. So, so he was Mark still was still in prison, in prison okay. but he would talk, like, Joe would go and talk to him. He would talk to Kathy. Um, okay. Talk to other townspeople, the police, the FBI. Oh, the FBI. Nobody, none of their agents are allowed to talk about this case. Really? Yeah. Mm. Once he pleaded guilty, that was it. He couldn't get any info from anybody that, from the FBI because the FBI was like, nope. Wow. Well, this makes him look super bad because he was a fair, like a good FBI agent. Uh huh. Like at least on paper, like he was solving big cases, putting people away. Yeah. Um, and then to find out that he was having an affair with one of his informants, who then he murdered, mm-hmm. and then was sentenced to manslaughter, first degree manslaughter, hmm. off to prison. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go look him up. <laughs> it's really hard to find people who are out. Yeah, and yeah, I've noticed that with sev- several of my books. They, yeah, I don't know whether they change their names or, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm not going to go like, oh, there they are. You can find this person on Facebook. Yeah, you just look at the. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. I would like to not find them uh, on Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to know them that bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so mine was also turned into a film. But it hasn't been released yet. Really? Um, it's got Emily Clark in it. I don't know if that movie's ever coming out. Like it's, It sounds like it's been done, like it's been filmed and mm-hmm. all that. But it was supposed to have re- been released like in 2017. And okay. it still hasn't hmm. come out. Hmm. So maybe the FBI won't let them release it. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> but they've done other like shows about this case. Like on the ID channel and stuff like that. They've done yeah. they've done shows about it. Hmm. You'd think they would. I mean, it's a big thing now. Mm-hmm. I mean, not just now. I mean, like mine was mm-hmm. done right after it happened. Oh, one of the things that happened in my book was the lady. Okay, so Alan Gore remarried mm-hmm. the choir director at the church. Right. Um, she made the oldest girl, the oldest daughter, read this book 
to find out what happened and all that. Yes. What? Yes. Hmm. All about the affair, all about the murder, what what happened, you know, everything. I can't even believe that. Yeah. So. People are crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So, looking forward to next time. Yeah. Chris should have his book read. I, know, I should. I started one. <laughs> but, but the holidays got, got me and then I was out of time. So That's all right. Denise and I enjoy our books. That's yes. good. So. I enjoy your books. I enjoy hearing about them. That's right. <laughs> so much shock and awe oh, yeah. taking place. It's right? Like, oh gosh, really? So both of our books are available through the Libby app. We don't actually have them. Or you can do... Or you can do Interlibrary Loan. Interlibrary Loan. Okay. They are available for download. Yes, oddly enough, mine came from Plano. (laughs) 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 Mm. All right. Are you all good? I think so. Don't have anything else to say. All right. Well, this has been... Do we like murder? Thank you for listening. <laughs>